Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity. Our guest for this podcast is Dr. Shariki Kumanika, professor of epidemiology in the Department of Biostatistics and Epidemiology at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. She's also the associate dean at the University of Pennsylvania for Health Promotion and disease prevention. One of the leading researchers on studying obesity, Dr. Kumika has held a variety of leadership positions with the Institute of Medicine, uh, the International Obesity Task Force, and others. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. So the topic for this particular podcast is going to be ethically targeted marketing. What do we mean by that phrase? Um, when we talk about ethnically targeted marketing, we're trying to describe a pattern of exposure to marketing that's disproportionate for, uh, in the case of my work, African Americans. Um, so that definition requires that you compare some aspect of marketing quantitatively in African Americans versus another population. Okay. So what evidence is there of such mar targeted marketing, and what sort of studies have you and others done on this topic? Well, the main study that um, we've done so far is a systematic review to try to document or, or identify where and, and whether target marketing exists. We started with the assumption, uh, based on anecdotal evidence and observation, that uh, black communities were really exposed to a lot more marketing of unhealthy food. So to test that, we looked for studies dating back to, um, you know, back to the 80s. We didn't really put a beginning date on it. We looked through to 2006, and uh, we looked for certain types of things. Um, marketing has the four Ps of product placement, uh, promotion, and price. So we looked for evidence that there were differences in the types of food products marketed, um, that there were differences in the places that people could buy foods, healthy and unhealthy foods, uh, at promotion, which is you know another term for advertising, if that was different. And um, we looked at price, are the prices different in, in African-American communities versus others. And we tried to favor studies that controlled for socioeconomic status because there are more African-Americans living in low-income communities. So we were trying to isolate this aspect of ethnicity. And what we found was all too uh, concerning was that for everything we looked at, there was clear evidence of less favorable um, marketing mix to African-Americans. You mean the heavier marketing of unhealthy foods? Right, for, for heavier marketing. Um, with respect to food stores, if you take the assumption that the larger supermarkets and, and, and chain stores have a better range of choices and make it uh, easier and cheaper to get fruits and vegetables, fewer supermarkets in neighborhoods where African Americans live, fewer of the large convenience stores, um, more opportunities to buy fast food, many more fast food restaurants from the studies that we saw. If you look at advertising, the, the way those studies are done um, is to compare Nielsen markets and look at shows that are watched by, say, 95% African-American audiences and compare them with uh, shows that are watched by a, a primarily white audience or a general market. 
and then count the numbers and types of advertisements. And there we saw more food advertisements in general, and then the types of foods were less favorable, more towards the unhealthy foods. Um, we didn't find at that time a lot of clear differences on price, uh, a lot of variability on price. We didn't find specific studies on product formulation, but we did see that the types of products within the stores, within the ads, and within the advertisements, and in some cases within stores, uh, were different. Is um, When you mention stronger marketing or heavier marketing of um, foods that we called unhealthy as a group, what would that mean in particular? What type of foods in particular were, was there more marketing of? Um, well, the foods that are considered unhealthy are specific foods like um, the, the signature items of fast food restaurants, um, but also in, in the supermarkets, sugar-sweetened beverages, highly processed foods that have um, calories and, and high-calorie ingredients and fat and sugar compared to the uh, less processed foods and fruits and vegetables that are recommended. So I know that people have done studies looking at the impact of food marketing in general. That is, food marketing works. It's pretty obvious that it would, or otherwise, why would the company spend billions of dollars doing it? So that's sort of taken as a given, and people have done studies to prove that. Um, but there's not been much work that I know of, and, and you might know of more, on whether it works differentially in different parts of the population. Do we know about that? Well, we know, we know that from experiments um, that marketing response differs um, in ethnic minority groups and in other populations that are called distinctive, you know, uh, populations that have been underrepresented in the marketplace. Uh, when seeing themselves represented in ads or um, when they see outreach from companies, tend to respond more favorably because it's a um, sign that they're no longer neglected, they're respected and, and recognized, and products are being made uh, specially tailored to them. Um, you know, with uh, hair products or uh, nylons for women in many, many colors as opposed to only <laughs> colors that would uh, work on people with, with very fair skin is, is one example that, that has been mentioned over the years. Um, the idea that marketing works and causes people to eat a certain type of food is hard to prove, so it's more indirect that marketing affects what people buy or their, their, their stated preferences. Um, so when you look at making a case, say a legal case or a fairness case for marketing, it's difficult to say that the, the marketing mix in a particular community is causing a, a disparity in what people are eating. What we can really see clearly is that the exposure to the marketing of these unhealthy products is much higher. And that, it raises a question of why why is it that in certain communities unhealthy products are more predominant compared to healthier products? What's, what's wrong with that picture in terms of the mix of foods that, that are being offered? You know? So why do you think that is? I mean, let, let me see if you can answer your own question. Do, is there any, r any reason to know why companies would disproportionately target African Americans or low-income populations for sugared beverages or fast food? Um, 
Well, I can't speak for motives in, in, in any respect. Um, but if you look at what marketers say, there's quite a bit of a pride taken in uh, some of the publications from um, certain companies that market a lot to African Americans that this is a way of honoring diversity. It's a way of um, achieving equity in the marketplace and not neglecting the consumer. The tricky part of that is that it doesn't include um, attention to the type of product that's being marketed, and so it is giving the consumer a chance in the marketplace, but really not giving them a chance to buy the same mix of products that other consumers are buying, and that's, that's I think, what, where, where the problem is. Um, this actually raises a very interesting question, and we've You've touched on it just a little bit already, but I'd like to round it out. This issue of, so like, let's say, for example, African-American youth show up in advertisements for major fast food companies. So a public health advocate concerned about rising rates of obesity in that population might say, well, that's not such a good thing because it's just enticing people who are most vulnerable to eat more fast food. But as you said, it's not that simple, is it? Because there are issues about being represented and being part of the mainstream and all that kind of thing. And you've really addressed that issue, I think, in a very thoughtful way. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that a bit more. Um, Yes, it is. It is complicated. Um, As I understand it, working with um, a colleague, Sonia Greer, who's in the the marketing um, profession and, and, and teaches marketing, you can't necessarily read an ad and whether it's targeted only on the basis of the kinds of people in the ad. Um, and you have to, to do specific studies to look at the consumer responses to know if people are seeing that ad as, as targeted to them. But when those studies are done, um, and from evidence that I've heard uh, marketing researchers talk about, if the ad portrays people in a positive way, it's, it's likely to be maybe better received than uh, by another community because it is seeming to be respecting. If the ad appears stereotypical, uh, it may not be so well received. Um, the other reasons for having uh, minorities in ads is to show diversity and to also attract um, especially youth who might identify with some of the uh, behaviors or um, uh, roles of minority kids, even though that may seem kind of ironic, but if you look at hip-hop music and who some of the different customers are, there's a lot of crossing over uh, by ethnicity, and so um, African-American teens are considered trendsetters by marketers, as I understand it, and if the trend is for something that is health neutral, that might be a source of pride or showing leadership. But if it's for something that's harmful, then it could be considered to be exploitation of a certain sort, uh, grind, you know, kind of rubbing it in twice, marketing it to the, 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 the youth, and then also including these youth in marketing to market to other, um, other youth. So you've made a very strong point here that there's a lot of marketing of unhealthy food to people in the population in general, but there's even more of it to certain demographic groups, including African Americans. 
what would you have done about this? So if, what can government do? What would you ask the companies to do? How would you like to see a change? Um, well, to change the exposure, as I think about it, um, I should add that a part of this picture is heavier use of some of the media in which things are advertised. Okay, so so I think what you're saying, if I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think what you're saying is that part of the reason that, say, African-American youth might see a lot of ads for unhealthy foods is that they're watching more television. But that, that, that doesn't explain all of it. Yeah. No, oh, no, there's definitely more ads. Right, right. But then you multiply that by the fact that there are more hours more use. of media use right. uh, for TV and, and certain types of electronic media. And that's a way around to the... Um, to answer to your question, because if some of the media use patterns are because they're not other opportunities for recreation, you know, if, if uh, young people are at home um, watching TV because they're not good supervised recreation programs, then that's something that you could ask uh, a locality to deal with. Are the rec centers funded? Are the rec centers well-managed so that it's not a place where kids are getting into fights or seeing modeling of, of behavior that's adverse. That's one thing. So make the community safe and attractive to do things that are outdoors and do other things, and some of that media use will probably decrease. Not all of it, but some of it will probably decrease. Um, I think also if, let's say there's more advertising in African-American media channels because of the way costs are regulated, then has anyone explored policies that would make it easier for um, the black media to attract other types of advertisement? Or do they have to take the only people who want to advertise are people who are advertising unhealthy products. And so that's, those are some maybe different types of things than you might have been thinking about, but we look at what's holding this in place. It's partly economic. Um, if these are economic opportunities, if a, if a fast food franchise is an economic opportunity, if these are jobs, um, to look at the structure of the community and say, where is it that these, there are soft spots that are allowing these adverse patterns to take hold that you could change with policy. So if if I were uh, the CEO of one of the major food companies, what would you ask me to do? Well, I would, I would ask you to show cause of why you don't have a bigger market for healthier foods in um, socially disadvantaged communities in general, in low-income communities who could surely benefit from having healthier food at a reasonable price, and in minority communities where um, the preferences that people have are not necessarily uh, the reason for their purchasing patterns, where, where the marketing might be taking advantage of certain types of preferences to oversell a certain type of food that's really not healthy. So that I think I would ask, why can't you sell healthy food to African Americans? And if I were that <laughs> CEO and I said we just market things we we think people on, in certain communities want to eat, 
and we're not really driving preferences for certain foods. We're just driving, uh, you know, <clears throat> we want uh, we want you to eat our fast food rather than the competitors' fast food. How would you respond to that? I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy that. I mean, the the some of the disparities or differences in eating patterns. Um, between blacks and whites, for example, have persisted for a very long time. And they don't reflect preferences because the cultural preferences um, are uh, established in the literature that there are certain types of fruits and vegetables people like, that there are certain types of of, um, whole foods that people like. But the way we live now means that a lot of people are relying on what they can get quickly, cheaply, and nearby. And um, it's, I think all the companies are in this together. It's not just one company against another. And the idea that um, people have a demand for, you know, 5,000 new versions of something that's more and more calorific and so forth, I mean, that's... It's almost a common sense argument that marketing is doing more to help shape preferences than just giving people what they ask for. They never even heard of these products. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. This is a very uh, tricky and, and delicate but important topic. So it, it's wonderful that you're doing work on this. And again, this is an area where you're really leading the nation in, uh, in studies on this and sort of thoughtful discourse about it. So I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. So our guest today was Dr. Shariki Kumanika, professor of epidemiology at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine, where she also serves as associate dean for health promotion and disease prevention. Uh, Please visit our website, www.yalerudcenter.org. There you'll be able to subscribe to a monthly newsletter on food and food policy issues, see a variety of resources on food policy issues, and see a list of the other excellent podcasts that we've recorded. Thank you.